Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Hi, Vinny. Hi, all road to growth listeners. Uh, today, I have Rachel uh, Brownstein. Brownstein, Steen. right? Steen. Steen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm getting better at it, but this one, I guess, is but... <laughs> We're in it now, and I'll, I'm going to call you Rachel from now. Sounds All right, good. So, all right, so Rachel, you have quite the diverse, um, I guess, title, right? So you're a, a vegan experimenter with your yes. YouTube channel, yeah. a sexpert, and a public speaker. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's it's quite quite diverse, and I mean, there's a, a lot of a lot of nuggets we're going to kind of jump to. I know the YouTube thing is something that's really your passion right now. And for yeah. me, I, I love, I love meat. And I know that you have a history where you were very big into meat, carnivore and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I had, um, I think it was Brussels sprouts, Brussels sprouts and some other like vegan stuff at my uh, cousin's wedding. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I guess you can eat vegan if you just cook it right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's all down to the cooking typically. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, so we're going to get into that. Let's, let's jump into kind of um, I guess, where you came from, who you are, and so kind of walk us through your spark notes, I guess, of who was Rachel? So I was born in America, that will matter later. Okay. Uh, moved to the UK as a very small child and always had difficulties, I suppose, in settling into the kind of nine to five normal job uh, and decided, okay, what, what are the pathways open to me to earn a decent amount of money while having not a great uh, academically on paper, a great sort of, you know, uh, sex work, obviously. Uh, so I kind of ummed and ah over, over the decision. Can I do this? Is this a sensible thing to do? Would I be noticed? Would I be recognized? Started doing escorting. When I say escorting, I mean in call at people's houses having sex, what you would call prostitution. And that was fine for a while, but just wasn't busy enough to prevent me having to have a, a regular job as well. Uh, then decided to do lap dancing. That was fine again. And then in the UK, I don't think they do it anymore, but the tabloid newspapers would have page three. So on the third page of the newspaper, there would be a topless photograph of a woman uh, and because I'm quite ample up top lots of the lap dancing club customers would say hey Doug, why don't you do page three and I was like yeah why don't I do page three that's an idea so I found a studio slash agency in the city I live in in Leeds uh, signed up to the books there and then got scouted by a magazine that specializes in large breasts and they brought me down to London for a, a shoot the photographer was friends with the director slash producer and he said if you ever want to to do films and sort of boy girl content let me know and i'll connect the two of you so again i sort of sat back and was like is this something i can do and then i thought well i've already done the escorting so it's not like i'm gonna have a problem with myself afterwards why not let's give it a go and i did <laughs> and then i got handed a massive stack of cash after having a weekend full of fun and laughter and, you know, fun times and sex uh, and thought, yeah, okay, this is something I could do more of. And um, so they've brought in the States, they brought out statute 2257, 
which was, I won't get into the politics of it, but it basically meant you had to have two forms of US ID in order to appear in adult films. I was born in America, so I had my social security and birth certificate, and I also have the British accent. <laughs> so the director that I'd worked with was friends with an agent in Los Angeles, said, if you want to go to the States, let me know and I'll hook you up. So I did. <laughs> and then went on to have a you know relatively successful career. And it got to the point that I just wasn't enjoying it as much anymore, wasn't feeling mentally stimulated. And started thinking, okay, what can I what can I do after pornography? And then that's when the problems began, really, uh, being recognised by people and then getting fired, even though what I was what I had done was completely legal, uh, and it was completely legal to fire me. Uh, and I tried to, I suppose, in a way, keep my head down and not you know not raise my head above the parapets, but men, and it is always men, unfortunately, seem to want to pursue me across social media and tie my performing name to my real name and just make it very easy to connect the dots. So I, you know, I, I spent years really getting alerts from direct messages or my name had been tagged in something and I'd get this horrible feeling of, oh my God, where's the attack coming from? Like, who's going to fire me this time? You know, and in the last couple of years, I've decided to start being more out about it. And it's ridiculous that I have to use the term out, but that's what it feels like in a way. And whenever I speak about my experiences, I notice people are very engaged with it. And because I speak in quite a frank, open manner, and I don't really have an agenda, it's just this is my experience. I'm not saying I speak for all adult film stars or all sex workers. I only ever talk my truth and what life was like for me. And people seem to respond very well to it. They, they engage, they ask questions because we don't really get access to, to this side of things. It's only ever what the media wants us to see. And there's often an agenda or a particular lens they want you to look through. So I thought, well, I've got this knowledge uh, and I, you know, also it provides an income for myself. So because I don't earn a penny from any of the, the content that I made all those years ago, but yet the studios are still releasing DVDs, especially of stuff that I filmed 11, 12, 15 years ago. And I don't see a cent for it. So I was like, okay, let's start making this work for me instead of against me. That's when I started doing the public speaking. I also wrote, uh, it is a memoir, but it's also packed full of resources, information about the industry, sex, impotence, all sorts. <laughs> and then, and then, Corona, uh, the pandemic hit, and obviously the world narrowed down to a pinprick. And I could feel myself circling the drain of a major depressive episode. I thought, okay, I need something. Whereas before I would have gone out every day and done certain things to make sure to, to try and heal myself and prevent myself from going any deeper. Couldn't do that anymore. So I started cooking. And I'd sort of post pictures on social media and, and friends were like, why don't you have a YouTube? Why don't I have a YouTube? And it's suddenly the pieces chinked into, into position, like this is something I can do and it doesn't matter if there's a pandemic because there's always going to be food and there's pretty much always going to be Wi-Fi. So let's, let's do something to entertain myself. And I just find, again, people are very curious about it because I try not to preach or anything. It's just about it's more about plants and what you can cook with them rather than why I'm a vegan or, or that kind of thing. And 
I'm finding a lot of my YouTube viewers are fans of my old work and they're surprisingly supportive. Like, you know, I came for the porn and I'm staying for the sweet potato pie. <laughs> like, didn't <laughs> expect that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so it's kind of many strings to my bow and a very wide purview <laughs> of, uh, of different things and different experiences. So there's a lot of a, a lot of things to, to unwrap from there. And and it's it's funny to kind of think about it because the sex working and the vegan right lifestyle those can be polarizing platforms on their own right right people right if, if you're vegan it's like well why are you vegan or you should really be vegan and then with the sex working people have their strong opinions either on one side yeah. or the other side right so it's two yeah. polarizing uh, <laughs> avenues right there and you're totally different yeah. uh, so but I've actually had uh, previous sex workers on the podcast before and talking about basically getting them getting into it and then how they got out of it and um i know one of the things that they brought up when they were trying to get out of it is totally different everyone has their own journey and everything like that for them it was it was hard for them to get out of it because they had that stigma associated mm -hmm. with it and they were making such good money in that platform yeah. yet it was trying to find another source to make good money and then they now they're an advocate of helping other sex workers to get out of that that line of business if they want to get out of the line of business yeah um and so it's yeah definitely hearing the the journey and i think on like on tv movies and things like that there's 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 always an idea or at least it's portrayed a lot where sex workers there's always um baggage or history that pushes them into sex working and it seems that journey was not something that you touched at all correct correct yeah no i i'm just a pragmatist I have something that men enjoy looking at, so I'll get money for that. Yeah, <laughs> and then I, yeah. And you, and you were saying that I think when you when you first started into the sex working and you're doing the escorts, right? You mm -hmm. didn't really want the the limelight. You didn't want, I guess, sounds like the people around you to know about it. Is that why you? There were at first there was that, and I don't know if it actually came from anywhere or if it's more of that sort of societal conditioning that you shouldn't do sex work because only stupid people do it, only abused people do it, that kind of thing. Yeah. But there was this sort of conscious, oh, I don't want to, uh, like for example, with the the lap dancing, I found I went to a club miles away from Leeds because I thought, well, what if people from Leeds come in see me and there's this whole thing. But it was, yeah, there was just, it was because I like money and sex is fun too. And I like being able to call the shots in my life. And I like being able to control my own life instead of being dictated to by a manager, earning minimum wage and doing ridiculous hours that are just punishing on the body and getting so little back in return. I thought it's time to... to flip this script really and see what else is out there what else you know there's a big world let's experience it in different ways and so it so it sounded like that there was a little bit of a stigma when you first got in there and then when you started kind of putting your feet more into the water and kind of assessing it more and jumping more into it what did you find out was different from what you were seeing from the outside compared to what you actually were seeing firsthand knowledge yeah, I think, as you say, there is this sort of belief that people are damaged when they go into the business and or they're too stupid to do anything else, you know, so you have to use your body because, you know. Um, but I, I went in 
uh, with an open mind. I didn't really have any assumptions. And I thought perhaps it's because of working in the lap dancing club, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and meeting so many different women who were there for so many different reasons. Perhaps I carried that mindset through with me to the films and just took people as I found them, you know, and you have, is swearing okay on this channel? Do I need to watch yeah, it? Yeah, please, 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 <laughs> okay. yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there are assholes in every walk of life and in every job. So, you know, you've got to take the rough with the smooth, as it were. Um, and just, yeah, just be open and not as non-judgmental as possible until somebody gives you reason to not kind of thing. Well, is there a... I mean, I know each community, each town, each area is different, people to people. Did you feel in that community in Leeds compared to the United States, uh, a difference of the people you're working with or dealing with on a daily basis? Uh, so the industry in Leeds was, I don't think it exists, to be honest. So I would go oh, down okay. to London for the films. Okay. Um, and there is, a, there is a difference between Americans and, and British people. There just is a very different mindset. Uh, you know, Britain's quite self-deprecating, sarcastic, <laughs> cynical, whereas you go to the States and it's much more positive and flamboyant, bombastic. <laughs> Everything's bigger for no reason. Um, but I, I, I was used to that anyway, in a way, from visiting family over the years. You kind yeah. of, it kind of eased me into the life, I suppose. But I was... I, I do have a tendency to keep myself to myself anyway. So I was never kind of going out to all the parties here or in the States. I just tend to stay home and play guitar hero. Fair, fair enough. I <laughs> did, um, and going, I mean, going through that journey, did you find, what did you find about yourself? Was there anything that you found about yourself that, I mean, you were more adapt to, to working with once one person or, more adapt to better in conversation pieces outside of this profession. I mean, what do you, how do you grow just as, as a person? Um, I discovered a love for performing uh, and sort of towards it, when I went into it, it was purely for money and flexibility, I guess was a second. But as time went on, I really enjoyed the performance part of it and getting messages, emails, et cetera, from, from fans who would say, you know, I, uh, my mine and my wife's sex life was really suffering and then we watched a couple of your films and it's kind of reignited things and i loved that i thought that was an incredible thing you know it's quite touching in a way just to be able to provide something for somebody else and that's what's carried through to my mainstream acting now is providing something for somebody so be that entertainment or escapism or a perspective or you know all these myriad different reasons that we consume entertainment being able to do that for somebody is quite fulfilling for me. And I think, again, it's difficult because I was slightly older than many women are when they start in the industry, but I became more and more able to assert myself and say, I'm not doing this. I don't want to do that. This is how you will touch me. And that's how you will not touch me. How, and being how able to have, I would have been, I think I started in 2004. So I would have been 25, 26. Oh, wow. something like that so but i've always used, looked fairly youthful so it's interesting that i've been you know one one day on the monday i'd be a milf and then on the tuesday i'd be a teen <laughs> like, you know it's it's odd but money's money i suppose do you, uh, do you think if your 18 year old self 
would have jumped into the, the industry instead of your 25 year old self, that it would have had a different effect on you or anything like that? Quite possibly. It, but it's impossible to to know yeah. these things. Uh, but I, there is, I think, as you get older, you do become more sure of yourself and more, you know, experience leads you to form opinions and build a tool set for yourself. So I, I'm to this day, I'm still very conflicted about whether 18 year olds should be doing it because I didn't have any idea of the wider ramifications because the internet was still kind of in its infancy, certainly social media. You know, I had no idea that Twitter would exist and that my content would be on it and people would just scroll and suddenly there's me getting reamed by two guys. Just have, it just wasn't on my radar. And you know, I, I just, I do, I, but then I think each person should be able to make their own decisions, but yeah. I do, I would sort of advocate that perhaps there are coaches or mentors, somebody that's going to help guide this person through the stages and, okay, you're signing, you know, sheet after sheet of legal documents and you don't know really what you're signing unless you sit there and read it. And then you've got the producer in the background, like, uh, daylight burning, you know, so it's, Perhaps that's a solution. I don't know. I don't have the answers. I just want to help people realize that I'm I'm sick of being told I'm a rape victim. It mm. pisses me off so badly. I'm yeah. not a victim and I never was a victim. So it's wrong to tar people with this brush and make assumptions about us because we have a different thought pattern or we place different priority on sex. You know, it's not this to me. It's not this great sacred thing that we're brought up to believe that it is. So to, for anyone living outside of that thought pattern, it's suddenly you're the Antichrist. Well, how do you, I mean, because I know in your journey, right, you've heard, I mean, people negative and you've had people, fans and other people have positive um, experiences with you and conversations with you. And I'm assuming there's been people that have tried to take advantage of you and things like that, right? How do you find the good people or put good people around you, good mentors, because you're talking about, making sure you have a good mentor, a good coach. How do you find the right person to listen to? Does that make sense? I think I think so. Um, <laughs> I, I guess nowadays it is easier because of social media. So you can, you know, uh, civilians, as we call you, you can go to your favorite star's Twitter feed or Instagram and say, hey, can I ask a question about this maybe? Or can you point me in a direction? We've got podcasts now. So there's just information freely given and more articles and there is more awareness. So I suppose it is slightly easier to find that information. It's just having the courage to ask for it as well, I think, because so a lot of- Probably find someone in the field that you're looking in. Like, so it, not even if you're listening right now, I mean, maybe you're not looking to get into to sex working. Maybe you're not looking to get into the YouTube channel. Maybe you're looking to get into something else, but find someone that's done it and that's willing to kind of give a, a helping hand, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and even, uh, maybe ask a few different people and people who aren't necessarily in your field or in your area. But I think we can gain so much from each other, especially when we have different lived experiences in different sectors, different industries. And there's, I think there's a joy in applying something that has nothing to do with the thing you think about, you know, and then there's suddenly there's this, oh, that could work there, you know, like... I've learned a lot of things that have then led on to be surprisingly transferable. <laughs> you know, like when I started doing acting classes, 
everyone was like, you're really comfortable in front of the camera. I'm like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, it, yeah, it's learning and seeking information and being open to receiving it and not going in with judgments, you know, and sort of, but all I'm, and an addendum is to just always please be respectful of somebody else's time. And if they ignore the message you sent, walk away because it's, you know, it's not their job necessarily to inform you. So if they do share anything with you, be appreciative of that. I mean, and, and I think there's some people, I mean, persistence is key too. I mean, maybe you reach out to them um, today and if, if they don't respond to you, reach out to them in a month from now, two months from now. I mean, I, I think one thing I know I see in the, the real estate fields is we we think that we're everyone else's world, right? And we have to remember we're not as important as we think we are. So maybe if I reached out to you, you know, today you might have had a life event that happened and you can't respond back and then you forget about it. But if I reach out for a month from now, you have some time availability. So I think if it's it maybe the one off and then maybe six months, a year, or down the road again, try again, because they might have something they're going on through. Potentially. I mean, I think specifically with adult work, sex work, you need to be, we also need to be aware of the stigma and the difficulties and the abuse and the suffering that some of us have experienced. So quite often it's like, we don't want to speak to anybody because we get demonized for doing it. So when people have contacted me, typically the ones that get a reply are the ones that say, I loved your work and I'd like to ask something about it. Can I, this is what I do for a living. Is there anything I can do for you? You know, don't make me do work for you. <laughs> you know, like sh let's, let's be reciprocal perhaps. So maybe that's a tactic as well for people like, Hey, can I buy you, I don't know, an Amazon gift voucher or something for a 10 minute chat, that kind of thing. But again, each person's going to be different. So I don't know if you want to answer this question. We have someone that asked this question right here. And I don't know if you feel comfortable answering it. Do you have a relationship with God? If so, what religion are you? I do not know. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, no, I mean, and, and the stigma, I mean, that, that comes with, like you talked about, now you transition from, you know, from, from that past and now going into YouTube and other businesses that you kind of arise, and I'm assuming relationships, um, that people had no affiliation with your past too, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I mean, I have a couple of friends from the past, but yeah, I don't really, it's, I, I don't even consume it myself, to be honest. So I, I'm so out of touch with the industry and what's happening other than a couple of people I do follow on Twitter. Cause I, that, you know, they sort of act, they advocate or they're activists and I, I want to kind of boost their voices as much yeah. as I can on my platforms. So what do you like let's say and you're saying that stigma that that arise right and it was more difficult and now you've kind of found a way to lean into it and it's kind of changed kind of how everything happens when someone asks you now today right and they go oh my gosh they, they learn about your past right how do you respond back or how is that conversation that that goes on with um anyone that you have maybe a relationship with so it's been, ah, relationships are a tricky one um, because I've always been of the mindset, I'm not going to lie about it. And I can't lie because I don't look like many other porn stars. <laughs> it's not like I'm blonde and blue. Um, so I've always thought, right, I need to be kind of upfront about this because the last thing I want is to start forming 
an attachment or an intimacy with someone and then they stumble across one of my videos while they're looking for a bit of relief and be like, uh, hang, whoa, you know. So it's always a conversation that has to be had. Um, and a lot of guys can't handle it, which is understandable, I suppose. Um, at the Recently, every time I go out to a bar, I will get approached by a man. Oh, I just wanted to come over and say I love your work. I'm like, I don't, I don't care about your dick. Why do you think I need to know about that? Oh, well, I'm just showing my appreciation. I'm like, do you have any idea of the consequences of you coming over here? That has ended up in me losing a job multiple times. Yeah. But you just don't think about the consequences of it. And even now, I'm just not that... Because I did a podcast a couple of months ago. And even now, I'm like, what would I do if somebody came up and said, oh, I, I heard the podcast and I admire what you're doing? Because it's if you're with other people and they see you talking to someone, it's like, well, what they what were they talking to you about? It looked, looked serious, or you know, what what was that all about? And it just opens up this can of worms, you know. And then you're left there trying to get the worms back in the tin before anyone gets on Google. How do you I mean? And this is something I, I I was lucky enough to live in a lot of different places outside the United States, and I, I know one thing when I lived in Eastern Europe and Czech Republic age was not nothing that really came up it was about who you were and age occupation things like that would come later on maybe six months i mean whatever down the road and that felt like in the united states it feels like it's one of the first things that you talk about where do you work how, how old are you things like that and that's who what defines you not who you are defines you right and so yeah. that your history is not who defines you today it's basically a part of you who you are yet it is a part of who you are right and so when do you uh, allow yourself or how to tell about your history without before i guess letting them know who you are right now does that make sense like you're it, it's i think it's a debate because i i've had people that i went to college with and it's totally different totally different where they used to be men and now they're women and mm -hmm. i always i always thought about that I never i mean never really had the, the question with them is when do you have that conversation when do you tell mm -hmm. them your history but because that might sway them away to getting to know you for for that reason for me personally i think it's better to get out of the way sooner because i don't want i don't want to like them for them to then say i don't want you know yeah. i don't want you in my life because i don't agree with your choices i'd rather kind of rip that band-aid off um but it's it is very tricky because especially now that i'm being more vocal and i've got the book and the public speaking because when the when you do first date, what do you do? Oh, I'm a, well, I'm a writer and a public, oh, what do you write about? What do you speak about? Uh, okay. <laughs> so it's, and it was the same when I was in the industry, you know, it's like, oh, what do you do for a living? Uh, okay. <laughs> and you just, and then you're, and then you have to start not performing in the same way, but you are on show in a way because they're so interested and they're so curious and they just want to ask all these questions. It's like, I don't want to work right now. You know, I don't want to answer all your questions. I just want to be, I just want to be Rachel. You know, I don't, I don't want to be this font of knowledge and inspiration or whatever. I just want to have a beer. So it's, it's tricky. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would, I would sound, it sounds like it's definitely a, a, a balancing act that you have to kind of work through now. Yeah. Yeah. So now, so you've actually you've been be behind or you've been in front of the camera and now mm -hmm. you're behind the camera and in front of the camera with the YouTube channel. Right? Yeah. It's a what? lot. 
<laughs> what are some things that I guess you didn't know that you're learning now by putting out your product and your YouTube channel and filming and things like that, that maybe you didn't, you took for granted beforehand? Um, that's a good question. Um, perhaps how quite how much work is involved. Um, cause when you're pottering around the kitchen, you just pottering, but then even despite being an actor in whichever guise, because I was having to film it and then think ahead to the edit, I, I just, <laughs> I'd, at points I'd get so overwhelmed that I'd be cooking and I'd turn my back on the camera and just get into the cooking. And then I was like, this is bad. I can't use any of this. But it's, yeah, it, it's taken, I think I started in July filming all the content and sort of getting into it. And it's really only now that I'm able to, because before I'd set up my two cameras, I'd have my main cam and then the, the close-up camera. And I just have to leave them there because I did once I pulled the close-up in camera to do, you know, a better close-up and forgot to move it back again. So then I couldn't use any of it. So, you know, it's taken, you know, six, seven months to get more comfortable. Okay, I'm going to come in for a close-up. I'm going to come back out again. And it's, it's just becoming, it's the muscle memory, I suppose. It's, I've formed the neural pathways now. So it just becomes much easier and more natural. I'm not having to think. I can just do and be and just give myself a bit of, time but you know just be calm instead of like oh my god i haven't done this i need to do that and i'm uh, just getting so frantic um yeah <laughs> but if i think we see cooking uh cooking shows on tv and since doing the channel whenever i watch something i'll watch the end credits mm. and i'll watch how many people have <laughs> put this show together and i'm and i feel so proud of myself because they've got eight, at least eight names that were on set that day. I do everything myself, yeah. you know? I plan, I shop, I set up, I break down. I do it all myself and it's, and I do that with a medical condition. So it's, you know, I, I kind of, I give myself such a hard time occasionally and the imposter syndrome and every, all this mess going on. But then with a bit of time and a bit of distance, I step back and I'm like, Rachel, you need to be proud of what you do. Like, it's incredible, <laughs> you know? I mean, I, I've never I've never had anyone bring that up or, or even thought about that myself. And I love that idea of it, of kind of looking at, you know, another product and going, oh, it took them eight people to do this. I'm doing it myself. I'm just getting yeah. going. And because I think sometimes we, we, we judge, I mean, I judge our insides by other people's outsides, right? We judge basically yeah. their product against our product, but we have to remind ourselves that they might be farther down the journey than we are yet right now. Right? Yeah, like I, I keep comparing myself to some of the YouTubers that I watch. I'm like, oh, God, this is so much better. And I'm like, yeah, they've been going for years and you've been going for months. Calm down. Just give yourself time, you know. And it, it is, it's just having a bit of kindness. And that is, it's taken a lot of work and a lot of skills to do that. And to not, the amount of times I've come this close to walking away because I've, I've just felt terrible. I, like this is shit you are just a shit human being and, and then now looking back I'm like my god that was just irrational to expect to be at that level within a couple of weeks was that walking away from the youtube channel altogether or just yeah that? so yeah. what stopped you from doing that belligerence <laughs> just like no I'm not walking because I got I enjoy it so much when I'm in the kitchen and things and things go wrong all the time but then I learn something like I'll make an ex 
you know, a surprising discovery about something else. And I just buzz off that. Like, I love it. It just fires me up. And there was this kind of, perhaps it's because I started and finished the book. And that was one of the first times that I had started and finished something. And I got such a catharsis from doing that. Perhaps that has subconsciously fed into don't walk away from this yet. Keep going. Keep going. Nobody's even seen any of this footage yet. Don't walk away before before you've tried. If we could jump back, and I know you've given a lot of feedback, a lot of uh, a lot of advice. If you could talk to your 25-year-old 20, self, I guess 24-year-old self, the one that was like debating on trying to figure out where they were going, their journey, and things like that, is there any advice from what you've accomplished now and learned now that you'd give that person? Yeah, to leap uh, leap towards, dive in with with both, you know, head first, um, but also maybe invest my money because I I left the in, when I left the industry and it was never a decision; it just happened. I just suddenly realized one day I haven't been to LA in eight months. Oh, oh, okay. But you know, and I had a great chunk of money in my bank, but then found a job and got fired and that kind of destroyed me mentally for a while and I ripped through my savings I had nothing left so perhaps if I'd have listened to the people like invest your money I might have been in a different position but you know um and I think maybe be more uh go out accepting more invitations to go out places because I'd always overthink things like, well, who's going to be there and what, what's going to happen? And, you know, and do you want to come to a boat party or not? And I'm like, oh, I'll think about it. And then, you know, and in retrospect, I wish I'd just gone with the flow a little bit more instead of always needing to know what was going to happen. That makes sense. Yeah. Jump in the moment. Take take advantage of me in the yeah. situation when they arise. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I appreciate you, Rachel, for, for being on the platform. Uh, if someone's me. looking for your, your YouTube channel, what you're doing next, speaking engagements, I know we have a lot of links in the bio right here, but is there any particular place that people should go to? Uh, so it's Auntie Rachel's Chaotic Kitchen, and it's the American spelling of, of Auntie uh, on YouTube. And on my social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and soon TikTok, uh, is Auntie Rachel. Uh, the spelling is a bit confusing, so maybe get it from the links, but auntie and then Rachel, but it's an eight instead of the A and the C and the H. It, it, okay, oh, no. one last question. One last question that just yeah. popped up and we'll finish off this one. If someone is a diehard uh, carnivore, right? Mm. And you have one dish to change the way they look at veganism, what's the dish that you would basically cook for them or have them cook? I would, I, you know, I, actually I do the leek and meats pie that I made recently. And so it's using meat substitutes and then you combine it with leeks, potatoes, peppercorn sauce, and then polenta on top, cheesy polenta. Sounds delicious. Well, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. Uh, please subscribe, please share, follow uh, Auntie Rachel uh, on all her platforms. <laughs> and uh, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.